Hi, my name is Isabella, and today's tip of the week for the Intern Whisper is about pre-employment testing. If using this as a part of your recruitment process, you must comply with all applicable federal, state, and local non-discrimination laws. This means you may not design or use tests to discriminate against applicants on the basis of a protected characteristic, such as disability, age, race, color, religion, sex, national origin, or any other protected class. Welcome to the Interim Whisper. The show is all about the future of work. So this week's guest is Lindsay Murphy with Orlando Economic Partnership, and she is the Senior Director of Innovation, and I didn't finish typing the last of it. It's innovation and what, Lindsay? Technology. And technology. Thank you so much. I want to thank you for being a guest on the show. This is great. And I've been, from the moment I met you, you just struck me as a force of nature in all of the best possible ways. I just loved your energy. I love that you're super passionate about nonprofits, especially those that are in the mental health spectrum. And I, I just know we're going to have a really great show. So I usually kick off the show so that our listeners will know more about you and tell us five words that describe you and why those five words. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. I I'm, I'm really grateful. And, you know, I think, um, the five words that best describe me are confident, bubbly, passionate, resilient and headstrong. Mm. I always have to have a couple where you need a little bit of improvement in there. Mm -hmm. So headstrong, I'm going to ask you about that one first. I identify with that one for a lot of reasons, but why would you have chosen that as your five words? You know, I think headstrong for me, I can get very determined and have, um, you know, where I, I get really hyper-focused and I get passionate about something and almost to a place where I think it might be a challenge to get me to back down or change perspectives. Um, you know, I can get fired up about things and, you know, just headstrong in the sense that I you know, when I believe in something or I believe something, I, you know, I, um, I'm just kind of all in and, um, you know, it just, I think maybe other people may see that as, uh, something that is, uh, like, who she's, she can get, she can get a little feisty. She can be, she can stick her guns in a way. Mm -hmm. Not in the sense of, oh, that person's a lot, right? We don't want to have a negative meaning <laughs> positive. <laughs> no, no, I think, um, no, I think I'm definitely passionate and, um, but headstrong in the sense that, you know, I am independent and when I believe in something, I'll give it my all. And, you know, it just takes a lot for me to back down from a challenge, you know, and, and, just be somebody who is not afraid of, of difficult things. 
Yeah, I respect that a lot. Bubbly and confident and resilient. They're very different from each other. Bubbly, were you by chance a cheerleader? I kind of picture you as a cheerleader. I was actually a dance team. I was on the dance team. So I, you know, I danced growing up um, and then I was, you know, uh, danced all through high school. I did a little bit uh, of teaching dance. I would teach middle school and high school teams. And then I, for a very, very, very short stint, there's like maybe one picture out there. I did uh, arena football cheerleading. And um, yeah, that, that was, um, that was a lot for me. I think um, there was kind of a, a turning point in my life because that industry can be very tough on you physically, you know, your physical appearance. And um, so it didn't take me very long to get in there and realize that that really wasn't what was important to me. And uh, I didn't stay very long, but yep. So not a cheerleader, but definitely um, kind of that raw, raw, you know what? I think you're a cheerleader of others. It doesn't have to be related to a team because I think you're super supportive of a lot of um, initiatives and also whatever it is. My opinion of you has been so positive uh, because you. I would agree with all of these words. You know, you're very, very passionate about economic development and seeing growth and how can we help grow the companies that we have here in obviously Orlando. But I've also seen that carry over into other things that are not related to that. And I, when we sat down and talked about mental health, that's when I could see, man, that one even went bigger than your love of economic development. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Resilient. What about that one? You know, I have been, you know, people, they think they get a perception of, of who someone is by how they carry themselves, maybe their type of job, their, 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 you know, educational level. Um, but I, you know, I came from a very dysfunctional, ever-changing, traumatic uh, childhood. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I didn't have a dad at all. Um, my mom was a single, you know, single mother and had a severe mental illness and, um, we moved a lot and, um, you know, we didn't come from, you know, we didn't have a lot of things. We had to kind of be creative and resourceful. And that for me is what lit a fire in me to overcome and not stay in and use that as something that would hold me back or, you know, could have totally changed the trajectory of who I am as a person. And so I, I have been very resilient, not only as a, a little girl, as a teen, but even now in my professional life, um, lots of changes and I'm having to be nimble and flexible. And it just has kind of stuck with me. I find that to be really true, especially with how fast technology goes uh, through our lives. We truly have to be going, oh, well, looks like there's another update today on pick a channel, right? Or mm -hmm. whatever platform you're using. Yeah. Yeah. So what has your career path been like? How, where were you uh, if you went to college or, you know, high school and how'd you get to where you are now? You can tell that journey however you wish, um, but it's always interesting. Um, and now you're over here at Orlando Economic Partnership and you're 
overseeing innovation and technology. And I think that's amazing, especially for women. I love seeing women in these roles. Yeah. I, if you would have told me this six months ago, I would have never in a million years thought I would be here literally. Um, but no, I, you know, when I was growing up, I thought I wanted to be a nurse. And so I basically spent the first three and a half years of my undergrad in college going to nursing school. And at the same time, I was working in hospital settings as a nursing assistant in all the different areas from ER and ICU, um, you name it. And I struggled with the coursework and just found myself not happy in and, you know, while I was working in a hospital, I thought, gosh, I'm really glad I'm getting this exposure now because I love the people side of it. I don't know that I love so much the bedside direct care as a, as a nurse. And so I abruptly, my senior year changed my degree to psychology and went from working on the medical side of a hospital to working on the inpatient um, child and teen and adult psychiatric units. And so it kind of, I, I always did that. I always worked and was in school for the same type of thing and just basically found myself connecting with people on a level because of my own personal lived experiences. I found that I was a natural advocate. I was very um, uh, non-judgmental to that population. And it immediately ignited this spark in me that if I wasn't going to be able to maybe change my mom, you know, like she, my mom could never be a patient of mine, but maybe there was something into going into a field where I could learn about mental health, mental wellness, um, you know, developmental disability, you name it. And so I graduated undergrad with a psychology degree and went right into a master's program in applied behavior analysis and immediately knew that I wanted to use that to work in behavioral health, not just with autistic individuals, uh, which is really what that degree is, uh, you know, mostly what people go into that field for. And so I just used, I worked in every possible setting that I could from um, children to adult geriatrics who had uh, brain injury, severe mental illness, addiction disorders, <clears throat> you name it. And um, so you were talking about how you got from being in a nurse into this whole field about working with individuals that are autistic, but there's got to be a reason why that was so important to you other than, do you have family members or anybody that is? Yeah. So no, I, I, I chose to go into applied behavior analysis to learn about human behavior mm. and to be able to use that degree to become a clinician who would work with individuals with mental illness. Mm -hmm. And although I did get training in autism spectrum disorders, and I have worked within that throughout my career, I really started to just work in, um, you know, hospitals for mental illness, psychiatric units, state psychiatric hospitals, brain injury units, um, and, and inpatient and outpatient behavioral health settings. I uh, then realized that I loved being a clinician, but I really wanted to um, take that to the next level and become a leader and, and somebody who could uh, grow, uh, you know, 
get promotions. And so I decided to go back and get my MBA. And I did that and went on and got some additional. So I got my master's of business administration and then healthcare admin. And at that point in my career, I was working in long-term care with adults who had neurocognitive disorders like dementia and um, really started to go down this path of becoming a, an actual uh, healthcare executive. I became a licensed nursing home administrator to learn the ins and outs of how to operate long-term care facilities. And from there, I was um, basically headhunted by the largest behavioral health training organization out there called Universal Health Services. And they scooped me up and said, your journey, we think you'd be perfect to come on board and we will train you to be a hospital CEO for behavioral health. Okay. And so I took that leap of faith and um, got training to run uh, psychiatric hospitals. And from there, uh, really just um, realized that, you know, I thought my path was leading me to be kind of a C-suite person within behavioral health or healthcare. And their competitor, HCA, uh, called me and said, hey, we'd love to have you come work with us. We've got a beautiful hospital on the beach. And, you know, I lived in Kentucky all my life. And I thought, this is a dream. Um, so my husband and I, we, we took that leap of faith in 2018 and sold our house, left everything we knew and moved to Pensacola, Florida. And while I was there, I was in charge of uh, three psychiatric inpatient units and um, outpatient programs and had the opportunity to stay with that company, but transfer to a larger hospital that was a level one trauma hospital in Savannah, Georgia. And so there comes move number three. So my husband and I picked up in January of 2020, right before COVID hit. And I came in full steam ahead, ready to change the culture um, and really grow that behavioral health program at that hospital. And um, COVID hit three months later, and it was a really stressful um, time of uncertainty with a lot of high expectations. And I started to just think about, you know, what I wanted long-term, you know, being in my thirties. And I felt like I had kind of accomplished a lot in a really short period of time, but I, I no longer knew that I really wanted to just be, um, somebody who ran a psych hospital. And so I kind of soul searched and prayed and put in my 30 day notice without having another job at the time. And I just told my husband, you know, something just in my gut tells me that this may not be the place long-term. And so I did that and I ended up meeting a woman who ran a company here in Orlando that um, was for um, individuals with autism. And it was in multiple states. And she asked me to move for the fourth time and come work with her in Orlando. And so I, I did that in January of 21. Uh, I'm sorry, not January, it was the summer, June. And, you know, that position, um, there was a lot of responsibility. Things were moving really quickly. Um, 
It was my first work from home ever job. And so it felt, I felt really out of sorts, you know, um, working from behind a computer screen, but um, I felt like, you know, still had a lot of responsibility and that company started to go in a different direction. And, um, and so I um, had the opportunity I had met, I was in Leadership Orlando the program that is through the Orlando Economic Partnership. And that was a gift to me from that CEO of the job that I moved here for. And she had put me in that class. And as things started to shift at her company, I immediately knew that I needed to reach out to who I you know, had met locally to find a job. And uh, the OEP was it. And so fast forward to... Um, June of this year, uh, I came on board with tech and innovation. I um, major change, but really, you know, it's all transferable, right? Because it's about the relationships. It's about helping people, social impact, um, the greater good, and um, and so it was a really easy transition for me. And um, I'm. I'm just mind blown every day about like what's happening in the world in, um, in innovation and just really, really grateful for where I'm at in this moment in my life right now. So where did you say you went to school? <laughs> Which time? Well, let's go with the MBA. So I, so I got my uh, MBA at a, I was called Indiana Wesleyan University. Okay. Um, Cause I lived in Kentucky and they had a remote campus. My uh, first master's was from a private college, kind of like Rollins is here, called Spalding University. Oh, I've heard of it. And then my undergraduate degree was at the University of Louisville. Okay. All yeah. good schools, it sounds like. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, you hadn't mentioned them, and I always like to just ask, where did people go to school? It's nice to give those schools some recognition, right, for creating awesome people. Oh, yeah. 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 So the job that you have, what does that entail that you get to do? Because it sounds, I know that you're, you know, working closely with Synapse and we did have Brian as a guest on the show a couple of weeks ago and his yeah. show's already out. Yeah, he's he is, great. He's phenomenal. He, he is. He's, he's quirky and he's so kind and um, he's been somebody that, you know, just welcomed me with open arms. But I am one of two senior directors on uh, for tech and innovation. I cover West Coast. So my job really is just think of me, I'm, I'm an ambassador for Orlando, for our region and all of the, the exciting things that we're doing in tech and innovation here. And I travel to the West Coast and uh, look to educate uh, companies about our what we're doing here to see if they may uh, be a good fit for our ecosystem um, and excited about what we're doing here in the metaverse and um, ultimately to uh, try to add jobs to to our city here uh, and just um, help uh, you know grow the economy from a tech and innovation side of things. Mm. That's got to be a lot of fun because first off you get to travel and you're going over to the west coast. Do you guys divide this United States down in half. So yeah. like you get to have all of Texas or do you divide <laughs> yep. Texas? Yeah. So Kristen, Kristen is my partner. Um, and she's, she's amazing. She, she covers, uh, everything east of the Mississippi. 
-hmm. and I cover everything West. And how that came about was I started at the OEP three months sooner. And so David, my boss was, was nice enough and said, Hey, you get to choose, you know, what, um, what market do you want? And I, uh, I love the West coast. And, um, so I grabbed it up and it just, it would worked out perfect because, uh, she loves the East coast and she's from DC. And so it's, um, it's a great, uh, it's a great split for us. Nice. Very, very nice. Yeah. And so that's how I guess your, some of your predecessors, I don't think I knew this information. Their job was to go and recruit companies and bring them to Orlando. And we would end up finding, oh, Red Six just moved to uh, Florida, right? Yeah. From yeah. California. Yes. And the other companies that have chosen to make Florida, Orlando, their home base. Yes, you're exactly right. And what's really neat about, you know, the, the team, uh, the tech team in general at the OEP is, they have, it's very, uh, it's evolving. And so the way it was a year ago is not how it is today and it won't be this way next year, but they're, they're very supportive of, you know, um, trying things, you know, thinking outside the box and looking at how to market our region and how to brand ourselves and recruit the right companies that really fit in here um, that we can help uh, you know, grow to, uh, or it, it, that also can bring value to, you know, what we're doing here. So it's, it's a, it's a very unique opportunity and it's one that, you know, every day I I'm just, I get the opportunity to hear from these companies who are just doing amazing things, things that, you know, we don't even, can't even fathom, you know, in certain technologies that haven't come out yet or, uh, things that are going to be an additive, to our life one day. And I just get off these calls and I'm like, people are so creative and so, you know, smart. And, you know, this is my job. I get to hear about these, these awesome new up and coming things or, you know, these company success stories where they started at, you know, starter studio here locally or somewhere like that in another state. And, are now, you know, have scaled or, you know, are a unicorn or um, it's just a really, really, um, it's something I've never experienced before. And honestly, never knew a job like this existed or it would have been a dream job. Well, I'm really glad that you ended up here. It's been just so nice having you um, engaged in our community and you've embraced it wholeheartedly. Yeah, definitely. So you've learned a lot about economic development and you know, I'm sure that you've seen that there's even a place where your passion for mental health, um, I'm gonna skip around a little bit, um, is also something that there's a lot of technology going in. Yes, yes. Um, so this, you know, it's no secret that mental health is on the rise, mm -hmm. um, that one in five Americans will experience a mental health condition at some point in their lifetime. Um, and so that could be you or a loved one. And um, it takes on average 10 years for an individual to get an accurate diagnosis and treatment that is effective. And if you think about somebody who is having you know, symptoms, maybe it's major depression or anxiety or, you know, something worse where they're, you know, psychotic or whatever, and they don't get the right treatment and they're living with these, the, the, the symptom burden 
why suicide rates are so high. Um, then you look at, you know, um, cities, you know, especially rural areas where the resources are scarce, um, you know, uh, where just people don't have access to care. Uh, and, or the stigma, the stigma around mental health is still very, very real. And so people put their guard up and they try to protect themselves and um, they don't want to expose that they're experiencing things. And it, um, it, can, it can go from bad to worse very quickly. And uh, you know, it just impacts all of us so greatly. And uh, the community, I think, especially post the pandemic, are starting to recognize how important mental health and mental wellness is for each one of us. Because yesterday was World Mental Health Day. Yes. And I would say, yes, the, you are absolutely, I agree with you totally. The pandemic made a lot more aware. We, we take so much of our life for granted. For example, oh, we can jump in a car and go to the store and we can do things. But when everybody is saying, no, I'm sorry, you have to stay in your house and you have to quarantine. And all of those things that you used to do are not permitted now because we've got to figure this out. It was changing. Um, for me, I get my energy from being around people and differentiating, separating a work environment from a home environment. So it was super depressing to me. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we saw a rise of, of um, depression and anxiety uh, upwards of about 40%, you know, uh, an increase of about 40% of individuals who may have not otherwise experienced things like depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And, you know, statistically, I know that uh, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, NAMIGO, um, and there is a chapter here in Orlando, Florida. I've worked with them before. They've been a client of mine. And one of the things that you had mentioned earlier was one in five will have some type of a, a disorder. I yes. found that to be, I, I sat there and I thought that can't possibly be true. It's got to be the opposite. One in five doesn't, you know, does not have it. Whereas four out of five do. It's just that people are not disclosing because just like you said, stigma, they don't yeah. want people to say, Oh, you know, well, what's wrong with you when yet everybody, if they're honest, has experienced either anxiety or depression, or they've been uh, entertained thoughts of suicide. I mean, there's all of those are the spectrum. It's not just Asperger's. It's yeah. not just bipolar. It is, you know, way bigger than that. And autism falls in that spectrum too. So does that some have said down syndrome, you know, it's kind of a mix, you know, where people are on that. But the point of it all is, is that it, it really is more people than I think yes. actually disclose. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Yes, absolutely. Um, it's really more uh, about one in four mm -hmm. at this point. But yes, I think there, there's a ton of undiagnosed, undocumented, unreported uh, individuals. And, you know, I think it's just, it's, it's, you know, it's, um, it's something that touches every single one of us. And, you know, we're just, it's, it's just got to be something that everyone is thinking about on a regular basis 
to be proactive so that we, you know, can, can improve our system. You know, I think that's the right way to say it. You know, there's a lot of opportunity out there across, uh, you know, the nation, the world, um, on a macro and micro level to um, acknowledge the problem. You know, and I think for me, where I, I kind of find myself getting frustrated is, I'll, you know, we're, we're hearing a lot of the buzzwords now, right? That mental people are acknowledging that there is a problem, that there is um, an epidemic of people who have mental illness. But I don't hear anybody say, okay, now what? Now what are we doing about it? How are we going to solve this? Where do we start? Uh, and so it's 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 time to now you know take action and and do things as a as a community um, to 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 fix the problem. You know there are solutions out there. It's it's just it, it takes the right people and the <clears throat> the right amount of uh, you know I think. Um, enough is enough kind of mindset. But I love that you mentioned NAMI. Um, I actually am on the board of NAMI Greater Orlando here and um, they're, they're doing some amazing things. They have a new executive director. His name is Freddie. Uh, he started about, <clears throat> about a month and a half ago and he just hit the ground running and has had some amazing events over the last week for Mental Health Awareness Week. And then of course, um, World Mental Health Day yesterday. So. It's a great organization. A lot of people don't know what NAMI stands for. And so the more we can do to let people know that there is a local chapter, but it is the largest grassroots organization in mental health and um, their services are free. Mm -hmm. so I think people, as long as they know that, that they have services for family and for the individual, I think a lot more people would, would feel safe to reach out to a place that, you know, is confidential and um, doesn't have to go through their insurance, but they can, you know, kind of look into if they need support or not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There was a young man that um, I had heard about when I was there five years ago is when I was working with them. And his name is uh, Johnny Crowder. Yeah. Do you know him? Have you heard? No, of him? no. Tell me your um, okay. I, the name. Definitely sounds familiar. Yeah. So I met him when he was he was bipolar, and he was going through a lot of um, a lot of you know health issues. Definitely, he is uh, the writer, the author of something called Cope Notes, and just dealing with you know anything that's a depression or any of those yeah. types of things. You know, I say he's. Um, bipolar and I need to correct myself. He may not be <laughs> because he's also done a uh, TEDx talk and it says he's a suicide and abuse survivor. So mm -hmm. depression would definitely fall in there. I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he's going to be a guest on my show in a month. Yes. So we're going to be starting the new year off with him as a guest. And I've been asking him to be a guest on my show. Yeah. For, I don't know the past couple of years and he finally told me yes That's I could not awesome. be more excited because he's very dynamic <laughs> it was like in a heavy a heavy metal band um he's been one of those big advocates of NAMI and I am just really excited to have him coming in here and opening up January of 2023 as one of those really key speakers that's going to yeah. be in this that, mental health area. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm excited. I'll definitely check out that episode and 
you know, it's, it's just great that you can continue to use your platform to bring awareness to something that's so important. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think a lot of people, it's, it's, it's kind of medicine for the soul, you know, to be able to hear other people's stories. And, and really the more you share your own story, the more you heal. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think that's great. I'm so glad you're doing that. Yep. I am also. Thank you for those kind words too. So jumping over here, going back to like what your role is um, at Orlando Economic Partnership, let's talk about what the metaverse is. There's always yeah. all of this speculation and Orlando has claimed itself as the meta center. And we have Kathy Hackle, the third mm-hmm. highest in the world of metaverse as a spokesperson for us. Um, just bounce off of any of those things yeah. you know, that you would yeah. like. Yeah. So, so the metaverse is, you know, um, it is the future of really kind of how the internet will eventually evolve to. People will use, you know, they'll talk about web 3.0. And uh, so the metaverse, if you think about the metaverse in a way that makes it functional, we can talk specifically about five vertical sectors um, of types of work that is being done and types of uh, types of companies and services that make up what the metaverse is. So it's um, augmented reality and virtual reality, AR, VR. Mm-hmm. It's artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. It's gaming. Mm-hmm. It's NFTs. I- yep, yep. So it's crypto and blockchain or NFTs. It's in, it's called Internet of Things or IoT. So you you know you start talking about things like semiconductors, and then it's 3D simulation or modeling simulation and training. And Orlando has companies that are really really um, you know uh, innovative and are excelling at creating the building blocks for the metaverse in those key sectors, specifically AR, VR. We, you know, have a, you know, a huge, uh, you know, the pedigree of the professors that teach at UCF and um, some of our other colleges, uh, Full Sail, uh, you name it. So some of the top professors in the country are at UCF teaching AR, VR. So that means that the talent that's coming out of that college, um, perfect talent pipeline for your workforce right here. The 3D simulation industry is a $6 billion market here annually. Mm -hmm. And so that's things like looking specifically at, you know, Department of Defense contracts and um, companies who create simulation and training for, you know, our military and um, even, you know, commercial as well. We've got gaming, you know, which is huge here. You've got your, you know, Electronic Arts, EA Sports, who has their second headquarters in our downtown, the Creative Village. Um, You know, it's just, we are a really, uh, you know, on kind of the cusp of becoming the epicenter for companies within the metaverse. And that's our goal. So we have trademarked Central Florida to be known as the Meta Center, like people know Silicon Valley and the West Coast. And we, you know, are creating the narrative to be known as, um, you know, the, the epicenter for the metaverse right here. 
Mm, I love that. One of the things that most people don't know about Orlando, and I've been going to this event for about six years now, is the ITSEC conference, yeah. the Inter-Service International Training and Simulation Industry you know, Conference. It's like really long name. Well, I just did a little real quick search. So by 2030, the estimated um, 2026 to 2030, the estimated U.S. industry is going to be $13.25 billion. And, you know, that's like what it was supposed to be valued at. And then they're estimating by 2026, it's going to be $26.9 billion. By 2030, $13.25 billion. I mean, that's a lot of money. Yes. Those are the yes. companies that Florida has so well. We have NASA. We have the training and simulation. So many companies here mm -hmm. in that industry. And then we also have the ITSEC conference that has been here for like six years. Yeah. Which is a showcase of everything in that training and learning. Yes. And simulation. You know, and you brought up a great point. A lot of people, you know, they really do see us as the hospitality industry, um, where Disney, you know, and all the magic is, which is is very true. But hospitality makes up about 12% of, of yeah. the jobs here. It's hardly and, you know, what's what's been really neat to see over the last 12 months or so is Orlando is, we're getting on the map to becoming a, a tech hub. And mm -hmm. we have the, the stats to back it up. You know, we have four times more investments are happening in Orlando companies. It's the number one fastest growing city for entrepreneurs as of 2021. The best place to work in tech as of 2021. Um, the you know number two fastest growing salaries for tech workers. Uh, just a, um, I think we had it was 111% um, year over year growth in tech. Um, just last month, it came out and um, we were the number one city for tech growth. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a really exciting time because things are starting to align. We have the talent, we have the companies, we have the collaborative organizations, we have the institutions who support, you know, companies. We have you know, it's a community of collaboration. Um, and, you know, I think it's, it's a community where everyone believes that, you know, we really truly can make this happen. And, um, you know, we will be successful in it. And um, it's just really exciting to see that we're gonna, if, you know, eventually get the credit for all of the really hard work that people have been putting in here for years and um, no one outside of, of you know, this area um, knew about it. Yeah. And a real quick little search also, because you mentioned uh, video games mm -hmm. and just the game market industry, it's anywhere from 504.29 billion to 583.69 billion. That's a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that means people are spending that money on, on games, obviously, but that's opening up different career paths. And it's not yeah. just, you know, being a game artist, it's, it's really, there's so many ways that you can go into a career in that every uh, industry, whether it's marketing, whether it's analytics, whether it's going to be in that uh, serious games space. Also, all of these things are relevant, you know, HR will be there. I mean, we'll see yeah. so many different jobs. 
Yeah, you'll see you'll see the companies that you know um, are kind of creative and, and entertainment based to do really you know unique things and and pull. You're already seeing it. You know the concerts in the metaverse and um, you know different things. Where you never have to leave your house to travel the world, right? Um, but it'll also be used by every other company. Will start to adopt processes and. Um, will want to go in a direction where they're going to be innovative in their own right um, to stay to stay relevant, to stay uh, efficient, uh, you know, and it's just like you said, I mean, there's there's going to be positions uh, in sales, there'll be developer positions. And um, what I have noticed is happening is you're starting to see even the nonprofit sectors who are developing programs for kids who are in elementary school or, you know, um, you know, women specific or at risk uh, community specific or underserved populations so that they can get the resources to get the training and the skill sets to be able to get the jobs in, in the tech space. So, uh, you know, I think uh, everybody, everybody's invested. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're, um, we're um, a few years out from what the metaverse will actually look like on a day-to-day, but it's being built right here and uh, we're doing a really, really great job. So I think uh, I agree Add on the back to everybody who, you know, has been kind of the, the trailblazers. Mm-hmm. I took a tour of a semiconductor because you mentioned that also mm-hmm. a tour of a company that's in Melbourne, um, Florida. And it was a small company and, you know, the gentleman's considering selling it. And so I was just talking to him about preparing a business plan to put his company on the market anyway. And so again, I get this luxury of being able to look some of this stuff up. The global semiconductor industry is poised for a decade of growth and projected to become by 2030, a trillion dollar industry. And I don't think people realize all of the things that um, semiconductors can do, but we'll we'll save that for another time. Unless have you-, you have you been out to Neo City yet? I have not, yeah. and I've wanted to. Are you going out there? Uh, so we did a uh, so the OEP had an investor update where it was it was um, held out in Neo City, and you know they just received Neo City just received a fifty two million dollar grant um, from the Biden administration specifically to help with, um, you know, Osceola County and that whole area to, uh, to help with semiconductor, you know, manufacturing. And um, so again, just another, um, another testament to, you know, what's growing here and, and just the possibility of, you know, there's, there's so much room for new people to come into, to our community and into our market and take advantage of, of, um, you know, these resources. And we need, we need people who are subject matter experts and top researchers and top developers and um, people who are really passionate about this. I could not agree even more. So, but this has been delightful. So we're going to take a little bit of a step back and get some more little personal questions about you. What is the hardest lesson that you ever had to learn that changed your life? That it's okay to fail. So true. That 
for me, I have always been very um, focused on professional achievements and, and trying to always, you know, reach the, the next level, the next title, the next, you know, the next something, um, and was really hyper-focused on, you know, just trying to be, you know, kind of an overachiever, I guess, or be successful uh, in my own right. And I'm sure a lot of that goes back to, you know, who I was growing up and how I was raised. And, but I, when I had that, that moment where I decided to kind of walk away from running that hospital and then to walk away from healthcare altogether, it was like, I initially, you know, looked at it, at it as, oh my God, you dedicated all this, you know, education and money and time to go into this field. And you've obviously failed if you're leaving it, or if you've changed jobs multiple times, or, but that's not, that's, that's not it at all. And it, it's okay. And, um, you know, failure is just a perception. And, and all it is, is it's setting you up for, um, it's you a know, great teacher. Yeah, it's, it's just, it, it teaches you each time I have gotten stronger, um, more self-assured in who I am and what I value. And, you know, I just, I just have learned not to be so hard on myself. Mm-hmm. Truly good, good and wise counsel. So what are you most grateful for? I am most grateful for my husband. And why so? Let's give him some serious props here. Yes, because he, we've been together since we were in our early 20s. And I think because he came into my life, he is really, he has stood by me almost like the, you know, Stedman with Oprah. You know, you don't see him, but he's a good man and he's always there. And, you know, I have just been able to accomplish more in my life with him as my partner. And I, you know, I think because he's allowed me to kind of be indecisive over the last several years and, and make changes, big changes, you know, where we move multiple times. And I'm just so grateful that he is so supportive, so understanding, and really is the simple guy who is just content and doesn't need the limelight, doesn't, you know, care about accolades and, um, you know, is just that perfect balance for me. And I, I just feel like I am able to, you know, soar because I have him holding it down and, and, you know, always being my cheerleader. So what's his name? Nick. Okay. A little shout out for Nick. Yes. Yeah. That's super sweet. And who in your life has had the biggest impact? Yeah. You know, there's lots of people. I'm so grateful. I've had so many people um, who have, you know, been, been uh, influencers for me. I think definitely the, the first person is my mom because it gave me the motivation to learn about, you know, what was going on in my life and to choose the path that I did for my career to become such a strong advocate you know, and to just see that, you know, it, it, uh, you know, for me, she has, has just taught me that I just, you know, I deserve a lot, but that I have to work really hard 
and, um, you know, to just be someone who, you know, just keeps fighting, you know, even when, when it gets tough and, you know, we haven't always seen eye to eye, but she's an inspiration to me because, you know, I have more, I think I have more empathy. I have more, um, you know, I'm just a better person because of what, you know, what I had to go through. Um, and, uh, so she, she's definitely, um, been, been the main person. And then, you know, I, I had a really great mentor, a professional mentor when I first started out to become a hospital CEO and his name is Greg Stewart. And he is a, a CEO of a, a hospital back in Indiana. And he just taught me what it was like to not only be a good person, but you could be a really good person and still be a strong, successful leader. And he mirrored that and demonstrated what that looked like. And, you know, I just, when I think about what a leader looks like, it, it's someone who embodies both a warmness and a, an approachableness, but also somebody who is, you know, an executor and uh, gets things done. And I think he embodies both of those things. And it really, you know, made a, a very positive impact on who I want to become, you know, in my, my journey. This is really good. It's so hard to believe we're coming up on the end of the show. So even though I'm going to take a very quick break, we're only going to have time for two questions in it. So we're going to take a moment to acknowledge our sponsor, Cat5 Studios. The Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat5 Studios, who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios. And we're back to the second half of our show where we focus on what does the future look like in 2030? Well, what's really great is we've been covering a lot of that in the previous right before the break. And so here we are now. I'm going to give you a, a choice. Do you want to talk about digital twins? Do you want to talk about what you think economic development will look like in 2030? Do you want to talk about robots, AR, VR, <laughs> any of those things? What would you like to talk about? Oh gosh. Um, I, I think we could talk about, we could talk a little bit about the digital twin, but really maybe what, what it, the world's going to look like. Okay. And I still want to come and get a tour. So I'm going to ask you if I can come in sometime next week uh, or the following week, whenever it is that you're not busy. And I want to see the digital twin. Yes, of course you can. You can come. You're always welcome. Um, but I would love to set up a special tour for you. And it, yeah. whether that's me or, you know, Trent, who's the creative director at the OEP, has really the, kind of been that champion mm. from, from beginning and, and really taking the reins right now. But we've got some upcoming demo days as well um, on October 17th. So I'll give you some more information and, and you can pick when you want to come out. Ooh, I'm taking you up on that one for sure. Can I bring some of my interns with me too? If yes, they of course. They will love that Please. very much. Okay, so digital twin, real quick, what is it? So a digital twin, you know, uh, is really just a, it is a, um, a uh, virtual replication of something physical. So it's a digital replication of something in the physical world. 
and um, there's a you know specific uh, you know technology, and it's um, uh, you know we the digital twin for us at the OEP office is the first of its kind in the world like it because it's of our entire region, so it covers 800 square miles from coast to coast, and um, it has been developed by Unity. So they've actually uh, developed the um, the software, and they, you know, it's it's unbelievable. It's when you walk into the room, you don't have to wear eyewear to actually see the three D high fidelity area. Um, it's you know it's it shows past, present, and future information. It's going to be a, a great economic development tool for us to showcase um, things within our, our city and, and our region. Um, and it's a game changer. It's a game changer for people so that they are not having to put their clients in a van and drive them around the city. Um, but you can be very efficient. You can, um, again, get very um, uh, accurate data and um, use the tool in a way where you it's constantly going to evolve. And so over time, not only will that um, be used in the office, but it eventually we will have it to where you can pull it up on the internet. So our phase three of that project in the next year or so will be maybe you're in another country or there's somebody who flies in and they don't they can't bring their whole team. They'll be able to send a link to that team member and they can log in live and be a part of the demonstration. Wow, that's amazing. That's going to be really so it's not a Zoom call. Just so our listeners know, we're talking about actually something that is an augmented virtual reality experience. Is that what they could expect? Yeah. So you can actually, so, so if you're doing it remote, you're not physically there standing in the room, then you could either log in on your cell phone or, you know, your smartphone, log in on your desktop and just look at it like we are right now. You're not going to get obviously the, the, the 3D uh, side of it, but you also could put an Oculus headset on. And then you're going to be immersed into that 3D experience. Yep. I remember yeah. when you guys did something, I think it was last month, it might have been in August, where you had an experience where we could go and try it out. I did not have Oculus uh, headgear on, but, you know, I got the idea. So, you know, it yeah. was cool to see. All right. Well, your predictions, what is 2030 going to look like? It is going to look like a lot of, unfortunately, I think one side of it is going to look like a lot of positions who are currently uh, manned by people, right? So your drive-through workers, your cashiers, your bankers, things that can become, um, can be done by bots or can be done through uh, equipment will. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, you can imagine pulling up to uh, a fast food restaurant and they're not, you know, they're not being a person there, but instead mm -hmm. it's a virtual avatar um, that greets you, takes your order and the food comes out and maybe there's one employee, one physical human in the whole building. Um, you know, there's a restaurant in Kissimmee, I think it's Kissimmee, um, that does that and it delivers its food to you. It's a robot. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's just going to be, you know, hopefully by then, We'll be on the other side of this, like when the when the internet was coming out 20 years ago. We will starting to become comfortable with the new internet, the the web 3.0 concepts. And I think, again, I think it'll be embedded in work, uh, work life and play, 
and and it'll just you know you know everything that can be automated, everything that can be um, you know animated, automated, and uh, shiny and and you know light up and you know uh, it, it's going to be there. It's going to be kind of just a new a new way of life and. Um, but also we'll have a lot of great functionality and we'll um, create a lot of new unique jobs and we'll create a lot of efficiency and, you know, a lot more collaboration across the world. You know, the more the technology uh, enhances and gets better, the more we will have opportunities, you know, at our fingertips that we've never had before. Mm, I totally agree with you. And I did another little quick search on robot delivers food in Kissimmee <laughs> and they're in Orlando too. So people oh, are here. We just don't even know about them. Mm-hmm. All right. So what is the best mentoring advice that you want to share with our listeners? Don't be afraid to take chances. Mm-hmm. It's kind of going back to what you said earlier. Don't be afraid to fail. Yeah. Don't be afraid to fail. But in this, I mean, um, don't be afraid to take chances in the sense that you won't, we only have one life and there's, you know, doesn't have to be this concept that, you know, you, you study one thing because you're meant to do one thing for the rest of your life, but, you know, dream as big as you can. Don't take no for an answer. Um, just, you know, put yourself out there. Um, don't be afraid to ask, you know, questions. Don't be afraid to, um, you know, change position, change jobs or stand up and say, you know, this doesn't make me happy. This isn't what I want to do anymore. Just take risks and advocate for yourself. And, you know, the sky's the limit. It really is. It's, it's all about what, what we put into the universe and what, what we get back. Mm -hmm. And I think at the end of the day, you know, my goal for myself is to, um, to be able to be in a position where I can have the greatest positive influence and, um, you know, do things that at the end of, uh, that I feel good about, you know, that I, um, I feel like make a difference and don't, don't go against, you know, my values and uh, allow me to be the best version of myself. And, um, you know, where you're in a position where you, you know, you feel happy and you're, you're, you just are at a place where um, things make sense in your life. And until you get there, don't stop taking chances until you get to a place where you feel, you know, you're, you're, you're starting to be at peace with, with where you're at. That's good stuff right there. So how can people get in touch with you? We, we were going to give your LinkedIn profile, but is there anything else? I mean, yeah. you, can they yeah. reach out to you at Orlando Economic Partnership? And Sure. Yep. They can reach out uh, at uh, lindsay.murphy. And it's L-I-N-D-S-E dot Murphy, M-U-R-P-H-Y at Orlando.org. And, you know, I love to connect with everyone, whether it be, you know, tech related, whether it be, uh, you know, community related or, you know, something in mental health or, you know, just um, just uh, just to connect. I love connecting with people and I'm, I'm still really new here. So I, I just uh, look forward to seeing you know, what the next part of this chapter looks like. 
Yep. I get you. Well, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the show. This has been delightful. I am very appreciative because I know that you have had a super busy day and you, you made this, you know, adding on to the rest of your day. So thank you so much. And also for all of the great work that you do. Thank you. I've, I've, I've enjoyed it. I'm honored to, to be here. Um, thank you so much for, um, for inviting me. Oh, my pleasure. Well, I will see you soon next week. Yes. Or the Digital following. twin. You're going to be there. Twin. We're going to make it happen. You, you're, you're important. We got to get you over there. <laughs> thank you. We want to thank our sponsor, Cat5 Studios, and thank our production team, Josue Gonzalez, Dina Burks, Gio Vargas, and Lester Echoes. Eccles. Our music is by Sophie Lloyd. And if you would like to have your inclusion tip of the week shared on our show, record your inclusion tip, send it as an audio file to us at info at e4c.tech and include your name, job role, and where you work. We will send you some intern pursuit game green screens for your next video conference call. And be sure to visit Employers for Change who brought you this podcast at www.e4c.tech to learn how you can create real diversity and inclusion a culture and inclusion culture while skilling your people for the future of work. Thank you for supporting the Intern Whisper podcast by subscribing to our show on Podbean or your favorite podcast channel.